God's been doing some, uh, uh, and now I look back on it and can see why doors haven't opened up in terms of where we're going to go to accommodate more people and whatnot. Uh, and this is kind of what I want to share with you here uh, this morning. As we're heading into 98, we want to lay some foundational things about who are we as a church body? What is our identity as a church body? And last week, just as I think the heartbeat of, of, of uh, the church, which should be the heartbeat of every believer, and that is self-sacrificial love. Uh, this is what the church has got to be about. No matter what else it, it, it's about, it's got to be about that. Being Christ-like in our love. What I want to do this morning is just in a very brief way outline sort of the structure, the skeleton of Woodland Hills Church. Um, I've never done this in, in a service before for a number of reasons, not least of which because we've never had a skeleton before, so it makes it hard to preach. But um, this last year has all been about uh, uh, doing this. There's a house by my house, a little house, that uh, all last year was, was propped up on some bricks. They were, they, they, the people uh, decided to put a basement in on this house, which is strange. But they, they decided to prop up the house. It was weird, and they dug underneath it. And the house was on four pillars of bricks. And it had some other things in place to kind of hold it. But it looked silly, and it looked ridiculous, and it looked awkward, and people still stayed there. I'd drive by, and they have a light on. They're living on these bricks while the people were digging a basement, a foundation underneath. And that is exactly the situation that Woodland Hills has been in for about the last year. And it looks weird. It looks awkward. It's a little bit shaky. Um, but it had to happen. We had a, this uh, building. It wasn't even a little house. It was a pretty big house. But we really didn't have much of a foundation. We had the foundation of Jesus Christ. But in terms of thinking about what are we to be doing, in terms of being intentional, uh, there wasn't a whole lot in place. Part of the problem there is that I'm not a structural kind of a guy. I'm not a foundation kind of a guy. I can't believe how little I knew about anything when Woodland Hills started. Uh, this has been an incredible education process. So here we are, five years into this, and we're finally getting putting in a foundation. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, better late than never. So we've been propped up as we've been thinking about uh, being more intentional. We brought, we brought Jan on, Jan Rowling, to kind of help us think about teams and what is the structure here and how do you make decisions and what are we aiming at and by what criteria are we going to evaluate how we're doing. These are not things I ever think about. I am organizationally challenged. I, I uh, just don't think that way. I, I look in my office sometimes. I don't know where anything is and I don't know how my life goes on, but I feel fine with it. When people try to get order in my life, I get upset. I, get, I feel confined. And that's where I've been at this whole last year. It has been a tough year. I don't do organization, and so we've been saying, well, we must, you know, put our ducks in a row before we move ahead. Count your soldiers before you go into battle. And I'm not, I'm Mr. Compulsive. It's like, let's do it now. Let's do it yesterday. Let's get it done. But now we have Jan there who's driving me nuts saying, no, we have to have process. Got to do an organization. Think long range here. So last year was a rough year, really, honestly. It, it, was, uh, it was tough for me. I was like, it's like, what I'm trying to convey here is uh, a horse biting at the bed. So you're probably wondering when I'm making faces at you. <laughs> I was like, ah, and I just want to go. And then God decides to use the last part of all last year to chisel every fault I ever had out of my life. So now I'm perfect, but it was a miserable 97. <clears throat> Constantly chiseling. Re 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 refiner's fire. My heart's one desire. Oh. It's driving me nuts. It's like, you know, one thing at a time. But God just decides to overhaul everything. So thank God it's 98, amen. It is 98. And whatever else is going to happen in 98, it can't be like 97. And for that, I give thee thanks, O Lord. <laughs> so we, we, we put some things in place. And uh, to be honest, I, I feel really good about it. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm, it's starting to make sense to me, believe it or not. I'm really bright, but it's, I, I'm starting to see how it works, how, how it, it, why it is necessary. We're being intentional about uh, what we are called to do. What I want to do here now in the next 20 minutes is to lay out five core values that we have that we think are sort of distinctive for Woodland Hills Church. And then the five bodies of ministry we feel called to, I want to lay out a little bit about why we believe these are important and um, what some of our passion and vision is uh, for this. The, value that, the values that we have, it, very briefly, is, are, 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 some of them are these. These aren't the only five, but, but some of these are, are as follows. Number one, we believe that teams operate better than individuals when it comes to ministry. We believe that's a biblical concept. The kingdom of God is built on relationships. And as you're doing ministry in the kingdom of God, it is built on relationships. Uh, it's a biblical concept, and it's just a smart concept. If, uh, if, if there's one individual who is the senior pastor of this church doing everything, we would probably be bigger than we are right now, but we'd have even less foundation, and things would be dropping all over the place because I'd be calling the shots, and I'm Mr. Compulsive. But when you're in a team, you get a broader perspective. I think that's why the Bible portrays elders as being the head of the church, overseers, and that's what we have here. We put together a team of overseers. We're in the process of putting together a team of overseers who each have an individual perspective. There's a system of accountability when you're operating on a team. We want a, a team to be over the church. The senior pastor of Woodland Hills Church is a board of overseers. It's a team. And in every area of ministry, we have leaders who are gifted in leading. I think I'm gifted in leading, but they're to lead a team. They're not to be autocrat, autocratic dictators calling all the shots. They're to listen. They're to hear. They're to give input, and they're to receive input, and to build a consensus on a team. Sometimes that means things go slower than they otherwise would go, but I believe that they go better that way, and this has been the, the philosophy that we've adopted. You have a system of accountability, but you also, it, it takes the focus off of one person. So there's not one person who's the hero, nor is there one person who's the villain when, when things go wrong. Uh, there isn't one person who's shouldering the, the responsibility. So we believe in the, in the history we have teams that are in place or that are being put in place to get the job done. Secondly, we believe that the church is a people, not a place. Amen? Amen. The church is a people, not a place. The word church in the New Testament is ecclesia, which means called out ones. And it just is bizarre by biblical standards to look at a building and say that it is the called out ones. It doesn't make any sense. A church is not a building. Churches can meet in buildings, but the building is not the church. Woodland Hills Church is the, are all the people who are invested in this ministry. And Woodland Hills Church occurs wherever two or three are gathered in his name. Amen. You are the church. And, uh, and, and so we're not going to get sidetracked on a bunch of building sort of stuff. We may have to buy a building at some point or whatever. But the thrust is always going to be people, not buildings. A third point that's related to that is that we believe everybody is a minister. Everyone has a call of God on their life. Every believer, to, do, to be a minister is normative. Um, it is, it is uh, the, the assumption in the Bible of, that every believer has a ministry. You've got a unique gift, a unique something. You yourself are a unique gift offered to the body of Christ. And there's a time, we'll say more about this uh, shortly, but there's a time where you need to rest and back off a of ministry. But that is the exception. God wants to call us all into ministry. We don't believe that there are professional ministers. There are people who are set aside full-time to do ministry, but the main job they have is to equip others to do ministry. Their job is not to do the ministry. If it was believed that there are professional ministers who have to do all the ministry, I could never do what I'm doing now. I'd be burned out, fried, absolutely decimated. 
Uh, because most of the stuff about the ministry I can't do, don't want to do, aren't equipped to do. The only thing I do is preach. That's only, don't get me out of my little niche. I'm no good at it. And we all have a unique niche. So you are the ministry of Woodland Hills Church, a minister of Jesus Christ as much as me or Steve or Barry or Gary or Harry or Mary. Gosh, that, poetry is another one of my gifts. Call the ministry. Two other key values. Two other key values. This is the fourth one. Reality. From the start, a core conviction we've had is that reality is supremely important. You're wondering, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. One of, I, I believe, the biggest obstacles to Christianity uh, portraying the real Jesus Christ to this world is that religion gets in the way. Um, sometimes people have asked... Uh, people, various people in those church or me or someone in ministry, what is it that you're doing to grow the church? What is your plan? What is your project? You know, what, what is your strategy? And the bottom line is, what I usually say is, it's not what we're doing, it's what we don't do. Uh, we just get stuff out of the way so Jesus can show up. Uh, there is so much religious muckly-muck that gets in the way of communicating the love of God to a world that needs it. Um, I still hear from people Frequently, very recently, in fact, saying something like this, that I go to church, I kind of miss church, but I'm, my life is screwed up, I got this going on, I got that going on, I got this problem, I got this grotesque thing in my life and whatever, and I'm just not the kind of, I'm not good enough for church, churches don't want people like me, I just can't do that gig, and I'm just thinking, and I'm saying, you're exactly the kind of people that should show up at church, this is what church is about, it's about real people. We've got to set a context where, where we, we understand that this is about reality. It's not about religion. It's about real people, me, you, getting together in a place. This is what the worship on Sunday morning is about anyways. And we're just real people, real sinners, saved by real grace, with real issues in our life, real struggles, trying to work them through. But we can do it because we've got a real Savior who really empowers us and really makes a difference, bringing about real change in our life. Really. Amen. That's what it's about. And so we just want to get rid of pretense. Up here, I just, you know, it, it, this isn't anything religious. It's just, it's just us. It's just people, me, at you. Uh, we got nothing else going for us. Let's just be real and worship a real Savior. And the final thing is passion. If you're going to do it, do it passionately. If you can't do it passionately, then don't do it. Just wait till you get the passion. Um, passion is normative in the Christian life. You cannot... Know what you're singing when you say, when I look into your loveliness and I gaze into your holiness and all things that surround become shadows in the light of you. I worship you, I worship you. You can't do that and see the face of the beautiful Jesus Christ, the real Savior, and not get passionate. Um, passion is normative because what we are all about, in one way or another, everything but everything that we do for the Lord, everything, all the ministry we carry out, is in response to the passionate God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us on the cross. And the only response that makes any sense, seeing who God is, is a passionate response. So in the end, we believe that, that it, it, what, what Christianity is about is radical passion. If there's one huge major sin that defines all that, all that we are against, it would be apathy or mediocrity. Apathy and mediocrity. It's just, it's a killer in American Christianity. Status quo stuff. No, God wants to raise up a people who've got a heart that is passionate. And if you can't preach it passionately, then call the Sunday off. People got other things to do. And if you can't worship passionately, well then, then don't do it. I mean, do it with passion if you're going to do it at all. Five core values that we've had that kind of distinctly define 
us. There are also five areas of ministry that we, 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 we this is out of the process, because I don't, as I told you, don't do organization. We've had a steering committee that have been just asking the question, from a scriptural perspective, and listening to the Holy Spirit, what are we called to do? What are the non-negotiable, foundational things that Woodland Hills Church is called to be? To a large, large, large degree, we have been a Sunday morning event, and, and where people come, and, and God's used it, God... You know, a lot of great things happen here, but we also know that we're called to go beyond that. And so we finally got intentional about this. We actually have a, a highly technological, sophisticated uh, demonstration here of Woodland Hills Church. Can you turn on the overhead? It didn't work first hour. Actually, I forgot to get the overhead, so does it work? Oh, there it is. Ta-da! Huh? Can you see it? Can, can we dim the lights a little bit, Frank? Maybe that would look. Um. Ah! I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Here's five areas. My hair's getting long. I'm just noticing that. I turned my head, I could feel it. Okay, uh, but, but I'm not going to cut it. My wife wants me to cut it, but it's like, no, I, I, it's getting curly. Okay, so here's worship. Afro. Um, five areas. You have worship, care. I'm going to talk briefly about each one of these. Worship, care, discipleship, covenant. This should be down here is relationships. Can't set up. Well, forget it. Covenant relationships and, and mobilizing ministers. Okay, and I want to just say a word about why. As, as we're going to keep this up here. Um, why we have each of these areas? Worship. First of all, worship. In some ways, worship. Well, they're all foundational, but but worship is the core of the core. Because what we are called to do now and in eternity is to worship God. Everything that we're about is to be about worshiping God. There is there should be no area of our life that isn't an act of worship. Now, of course, we don't line up with that, but that's the truth. Um, we are to be worshiping people, people who live and breathe and think uh, for the passion of praising God, giving glory to God, reflecting back to God uh, who He is. And so a significant part of what Woodland Hills Church wants to be about is teaching people how to worship God in all of their life, but also when we come together here as a corporate whole. In worship... If we understand what worship is, here is where we get fuel for the Christian life. Um, it's like drinking from a, a, a deep, o- from a deep o- ocean of fresh water when, when you've been in a, in, a, in a desert for a week. Um, in worship, we get refreshed. In worship, we get empowered. In worship, God, we give God a chance to do things in our life that can't be done any other way. When we are really in worship. Now, worship is not just about singing, right? It's not just about good music. It's not about getting the notes all right. It's not about kumbaya or it only takes a spark or anything. What it's about, that's when you knew that song. Uh, what it's about is singing true stuff about God. It's just singing to God true stuff about God. And when we do that with a sold-out heart, when we do that with a mind that's focused on Jesus Christ, when we do that and we're not distracted by the problems in our life, when we do that and we're not worried about how the person next to us is singing or, or whatever, when we do that and our mind and our hearts are focused on Jesus Christ, when we do that and we're uninhibited, not worried about what Joe Smo thinks about us, then we give God a chance to work in our hearts in a way that he can never, ever otherwise work in our hearts. It comes out of worship. Worship is the one thing that we can do that actually changes our hearts. When we talk about how, when, when my will becomes enthralled in your love. Man, when we were singing that earlier, it just broke me. I want my will to be enthralled, surrounded by your love, so that I will what he loves. That's what it's about. But you know what I'm finding out? I can't will my will 
to line up with his love. I can't do it. You can't do it either. Ever have things in your life that you just need to get rid of? Do you ever find your, your appetites and your hungers and your aspirations to be totally out of sync with what God wants? And then you hear the word of God and it's like, ah, I can't, you try to do it and yet you're torn. You're double-minded. You're unstable in all your ways, the Bible says in the book of James. Because your heart and your mind aren't lined up with God's word. And you just can't, it's not an issue of willpower. I will to right now love what God loves. Try that. Well, you can't. The problem is the will, so the will can't fix itself. But if you just surrender yourself and worship to the Lord and focus on Him and see His beauty and the Spirit of God begins to flood this place, then your will becomes enthralled in His love and you begin to melt, don't you? It's so beautiful when it begins to melt. Um, this is when you look around and people begin to cry. Um, you, you begin to see things differently. The person you hated, you don't hate right now. I, you know, it, it changes. And, and uh, the bitterness that you hold begins to melt away. The things that surround become shadows in the light of you. The, the, the problems, the things of the world that had a grip on you begin to melt away. And we become changed and transformed. That's what worship is about. Our passion here at Woodland Hills Church is that we as a group learn to be even more passionate about worship. Uh, not to, to settle for where we're at. Where we're at is good. God floods this place. But to grow deeper and deeper and deeper in that. Do you know, we each have a responsibility for this. God, in worship, when we are sold out, to the degree that we're sold out, God floods this place and changes people and heals people and even saves people. And the responsibility for allowing that happen, to that happen is each one of us. And I would charge you, here as we head into 98, to pray about your worship on Sunday morning. As you're coming here, prepare your hearts. Think about it. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens when the people break before him, when we submit to him, when we bow down before him, when we get intentional about things, then the Spirit of God floods this place and the kingdom goes forward and it bears kingdom fruit. We want to become even more passionate, even more uninhibited, even more sold out and surrendered. And then to teach people to do that at home, to do that as a family. Last night my wife and I had a beautiful time of just praising God together. Uh, you know, anything, you don't do anything. You just sit in the presence of God. And God does work. Oh, it's just... And, and to have a people who have a passion for worship. If I don't move on, I'll never get to the fifth point. Okay, that was worship. I got it. This cost us too much money, so I got to use it just to justify it. Otherwise, I'll feel guilty. Okay, worship. Second area is care. You won't believe, you, you couldn't imagine the diversity of backgrounds that people come from when they come to Woodland Hills Church. When they get together on the Sunday morning worship service, it is amazing. What's also amazing is that most of these people think that they're the only ones who've got their issues. If they could just know about all the other people that have their issues. People come from incredibly different backgrounds. A number of you come from backgrounds where uh, you've been beat up by a church. Uh, a lot of people. I mean, you figure, what is it that, that causes the person to leave a church and go to another church? Well, most of it is our issues, so you're going to get a lot of people with issues. And that's great, because the kingdom of God is about healing people of issues. You get a lot of people who come from church backgrounds where they've been beat up in one way or another, people have rejected them, where they've been, ha suffered spiritual abuse, they've been manipulated, they've been turned against, the whatever. And usually these people are kind of scared about even, a lot of them take a year or two out, sometimes even longer than that, it, before they go back to church. And when they do, they're sort of like, like this. Who is that guy up there? Was he, he's trying to get into my pocketbook. I know it. I, it they all are, you know. And, uh, 
uh, is this emotionalism going on here? And, and, and they're, they're paranoid. They're suspicious. And, and they want to remain anonymous. And they don't want to. They're afraid of everything feels like manipulation to them. And I don't blame them. I do not blame them. They've been through ecclesiastical perdition. And, um, <laughs> which is translated church muck. But uh, it's, uh, and, and, and you just need to get healed. There are other times people come and they, got, they, 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 they left their old church because their family blew apart. They're, they got a divorce or whatever, and it was just too awkward and yicky and mucky where they were at, and people took sides or whatever, so they had to make a new start. So some of you are here because, you know, you're, you're, you just got out of marriage, and that leaves you wounded. Some of you come here, and, and your marriage is right now in the process of, of shaking and, 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 and falling apart. Uh, some of us have come here and we have kid problems. We don't know what we're going to do with our kids and, and how to raise them and whatever. Some people come here with physical problems. Some people come with deep emotional problems, struggling with depression or, or phobias of different sorts. A number of people come here and they've got some rampant addictions that they just can't seem to overcome. Uh, sexual addiction or drug addiction of, of various sorts. People coming from all different kinds of backgrounds. Some are, you know, are, are unwed pregnant. They're unwed and they're pregnant. Or they have kids who are, who are uh, pregnant. A lot of different issues, a lot of different backgrounds. And what the church needs to be is a place where that can be cared for. There's a time in the Christian walk where you just need to sit, you just need to rest. The church needs to be a hospital for you. That means that Woodland Hills Church in every area, whether we're talking about covenant groups, whether we're talking about Sunday morning, whether we're talking about uh, different ministries, it needs to be the place, a place where people have permission to be ruthlessly raw, real. Ruthlessly raw, real. Real in a ruthlessly raw way. If you're in a hospital, the first thing, the first step to getting whole is to say, you know what, I got a laceration on my leg, or you know what, my heart ain't working right. You got to be out loud about what's wrong with you. So often the church has become just the opposite of that, and it grieves the heart of God. The church is, as I said earlier, the place where people get the impression that this is where you go when you got your act together. This is where you go when you're feeling particularly holy. This is where you go when you finally get out of your sin. This is where you go when you know how to carry your Bible right and speak a religious language and put on a tie and, and all the other good stuff. When you finally have a nice family and everything's in line, you don't fight with your spouse anymore, and, and, and you're out of your, your, your sin struggles or whatever, then you're ready to go to church because this is where the holy people get together. Not. That is the opposite of the kingdom of God. Look what Jesus did. He went, he specifically targeted, if he targeted anybody, he targeted the lepers, he targeted the prostitutes, and he targeted the drunkards, and he targeted those who were outcast. And what he did with the holy religious people was a little bit harsh. The church has got to be the place where it's, we understand that we're saved by grace. We're all sinners saved by grace. Real people with real issues. And that means, if it means anything, that there simply is no place for giving points for having it together or subtracting points for not having it together, which means that it's the church, not the bar, where people should be okay with being real with what's going on in their life, whatever that may be. It may be as ugly, maybe it's grotesque. And we're not condoning all the stuff that people go through, but we are saying that the love of God is unaffected by what you're going through. And until you understand that, you're never going to grow out of what you're going through. And we who loves each other unconditionally as we go through that stuff. Amen. So the first area, amen. Praise the Lord. Another core value at Woodland Hills Church is it's okay to say amen when you agree. Hallelujah. Okay. Amen. amen. Reality, and the other thing is, is what we want to be about, and this, this, this ties in with mobilizing ministers. 
is that we want to be a place where uh, the, 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 our, our conviction is that. And it's right out of the New Testament. You find it over and over again. We are to care for one another. We are to care for one another. When the New Testament was written, they did not have government programs. They didn't have safety nets. They didn't have any of that stuff. And that was one thing that was attractive about the church to the society around them. These people cared for one another. You need a shirt? I got an extra shirt. Have one of my shirts. You need a car? I got an extra car. All right, man, I got some extra money to woo, buy you a car. You need to get a balance? I got a balance. You need a kidney? I got two kidneys. Have one of mine. That happened just recently, praise God. Why else would God give you two kidneys? It's superfluous. You need to give one away. Anyone need an lung? I got an extra lung. <laughs> Want a leg? No. The point is that the church is to care. We are, we are to be the incarnate Christ loving in action. Amen? And so one of the things we want to really be about is matching people with gifts up with people who have need, a need for those gifts. And this is what that mobilizing ministry is all about. People are stepping up saying, you know what, I have a heart to do this. The food connection. Habitat for humanity. you got a guy right now who's, who's a builder who's saying, you know what, I'm being feeling led to, to build houses for people who can't afford normally to get into houses. And, and lawyers are stepping up saying, if the people with, with some legal issues, I can uh, uh, help out with them. Uh, as some expertise in autism. And she says, you know what, if there are people in, this, in the church body that have children who are autistic, uh, you know, I, I have a background in that and, and I'm an advocate for those kids. Just step up with your gift. Step up with your calling. Step up in the ministry and be used of God. And as, as we get networked together, that we really begin to show the world and show each other what the love of God really means when it's in action, when it's in incarnate form. Abstract love is meaningless. You know, if it's not in flesh somewhere, it's meaningless. Our life is to be a walking parable about what the love of God looks like in practical terms. And we do that to one another. We're also called to do it to the world around us. And there are people who are now stepping up saying, you know, I'm called to a ministry to the homeless. I'm called to a ministry to the hungry. I'm called to a ministry to battered women. And, and it, I'm called to a ministry of justice, social justice, to, to, to begin to be an advocate for people who don't get their voice heard. That's kingdom of God stuff. That's one of the ways we evangelize. That's one of the ways we show the world that we care what the love of God looks like. So we get together, we worship. Then there's the care ministry where it's, it's, it, this is the hospital where you get wounds healed. There's a time for rest. But then we move to discipleship. And see, there's a time to be in bed. There's a time to, to, to just sit. And no one can tell you how long or how short that time is. Uh, just talked to a person as I was coming in here who needed to take two years off because their pre previous church experience was so, they got so much life from doing stuff and it got so messy that they just had to stop for two years and now they're starting to get back into ministry. Uh, you know what, you, you've, you've got to feel that out on your own. But here's the point. Know that in Christ, the bed is not the end. In Christ, there's no place for being a permanently wounded person. If you're a permanently wounded poor person, something's not, not clicking right. The purpose for going to a hospital isn't to stay there. And there are Christians all over the place who, 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 who talk this way and think this way. You know, I'm just wounded. 20 years later, well, I'm just wounded. You know, there's a point where you're supposed to get out of bed and start to walk and, and start to do things again. This is what discipleship is all about. It's amazing, but the, the, the New Testament never says believers of all nations. The New Testament says go out and make disciples of all nations. The New Testament doesn't have a concept of a believer who's not in the process of being made a disciple. 
What we're called to do is make disciples. Now, a disciple is a disciplined one. That's what the word means. A disciplined one. One, one who is walking under the discipline of Jesus Christ. The reason why that's so crucial is that that's what we mean when we call him Lord. When you call him Lord, that means you're under him. He is your discipler. To be disciplined simply means you reflect the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. And, and, and so what we have are ministries that are rising up to help people get discipled. Preaching falls under this ministry. I'm right here, hopefully, every Sunday morning, or whoever's in the pulpit is... We don't have a pulpit. Whoever's on stage is... Uh, uh, we, had, we, we had a pulpit committee. We had to cancel it because we don't use a pulpit. We should call it the stand committee, but we don't even use those most of the time. Um, but it, this is making disciples, okay? We have an adult education program that is there to, to make disciples. We're starting an evangelism program to, to uh, help people evangelize, teaching a class on evangelism. And then we're having a, a, a team of people that are putting together a, a process by which new believers can begin to be discipled one-on-one by, by other Christians. It, it, it's all part of this discipleship thing. Our passion for it is this. So many believers miss out on the goods of the Christian life because they stay merely believers. It's sort of the Christian thing to do, or the, the American Christian thing to do. They're pew sitters. They, they, they like their Christianity to be compartmentalized in this area or this area. But in terms of how they think and in terms of how they feel and in terms of how they walk and in terms of the values they endorse in their life, life they're basically just your average normal Americans buying into the American worldview, basically calling their own shots, doing their own gig. And the trouble with that is this. The extent to which we have self in our life and the self is not in conformity with Jesus Christ, it's like clogs in a faucet that prevents the water from coming through. The water is the goods of salvation. The water is the Holy Spirit. The water is the eternal treasure that God has given to us when we get saved. But none of it can flow through the pipe of your life as long as you're clogging it up with your own ambition, clogging it up with your own value system, clogging it up with your own comfort, clogging it up with your own convenience, clogging it up with your own dreams and whatnot. You don't experience it. And then you ask the question, well, why are these people so excited? Or, or where's this passion coming from? Or how come God doesn't seem real to me? Or where are you, God? Where are you, God? He's all around you. He's all over you. He's in you. He's through you. But you're not experiencing it because you're not yielded. You're not surrendered. The joy in the Christian life kicks in to the extent that you're becoming a disciple. And that you're taking your money, you're taking your family, you're taking your talents, you're taking all that you are, and you're laying at the foot of Jesus Christ. And you're saying, you are in charge of all this. You say the word, and I follow. That's discipleship. And that's when it starts to get exciting. That's when it starts to get real. That's when the joy kicks in. That's when the peace kicks in. That's when the power kicks in. What we're called to do as a church, and this is a non-negotiable, along with worship and care, is discipleship. Helping people become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Plugging people with, a mobile, plugging people with gifts to do discipleship. Hooking them up with people who need to be discipled. Uh, two other areas, really quick here. The covenant group, we'll talk about those uh, in two weeks. But the bottom line is this. Christianity is relationships, because Christianity is love, and love is nothing. Christianity is about relationships. The American ideal of the Lone Ranger, and I'm talking to myself here because I like to be a Lone Ranger, but it's just me and Jesus, and I don't, you know, because relationships get messy, they get awkward, they take work. You know, who needs them, really? You know, that's the American thing. 
But God calls us to be in relationships with one another. And our, our, our ambition, our goal, see, you grow as you're in relationship. Here's where you begin to do the one another's of the New Testament, the love one another's, be hospitable to one another. Here's where we can begin to really, really incarnate the love of Jesus Christ. A covenant relationship is simply this. Our understanding is that when I'm in need, I can call on you. When you're in need, you can call on me. When, 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 when you're, it's not just about that, but it's celebrating life together. It, there's an agreement and understanding, a covenant about what our relationship means. These are the people that should know your birthday. These are the people that should walk with you when you're going through struggles. These are the ministers, and they are ministers. These are the ministers uh, that it's really meaningful to them to visit you when you're in the hospital because they know your name. We can't do that on Sunday morning. God uses this. This is good. This is New Testament, but this is not, by any stretch of the imagination, the gist of what Christianity is about. We've got to be in relationship with one another. A lot of us have just informal relationships. Others, we have 60 covenant groups going now. Our, our goal here is to strive to have every person related to other people in the body of Christ. People they can call on, people who know them, people who love them, people who support them, people who can live out Christianity. In fact, it's in the covenant groups where the main care takes place. And we want to have other things going on too. But that's the main care area. It's also the main discipleship area. And the final thing is mobilizing ministers. And we've been talking about that throughout this whole process, so we don't need to go into it too much here. But it's just, it's very Joss's passion. His old, you know, if you were here about a month ago when he preached, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. We want to help you find your passion, find your niche. After you've been cared for enough, okay, and you're healthy enough, and, you, and you're going through some discipleship, okay, so, so that's taken care of, and you're in a covenant group, you have, you're doing the relational Christianity, now it's time to begin to ask the question, what niche do I play in the kingdom of God? And what we want to be doing is networking people together. Phil, we'll send you to a different church. Okay? Because we want to be about networking with other ministries, and we've done that. You know, there's a church over here that really could use your gift. And, and so we want to send you over there. Because our interest here is in the broader body of Christ, not just in our little, little private thing that we're doing here. But that's what the kingdom of God is all about. I want to close with one word. None of this does anything, does a thing. It is Zippo, it is Zilcho, it is Nadie, it is Fini, it is Worthless, it is Arrivederci, hasta la vista, hasta luego, hasta mañana. Asta out of foreign languages. It is nothing unless it is undergirded, surrounded by prayer. And what we have, what our, what our picture is, is that this whole ball here is under the umbrella of prayer. It will not happen. It will not, it's, a, it's a good idea, but it will only be a good idea. This will only be a good idea unless there are people praying for it. And so my last charge as we head into 98 is, is this. If you feel invested in this ministry, however else God will lead you to get plugged in or whatever, I would ask you to pray regularly for every area of ministry here. Be in prayer. prayer. Pray that God will do whatever God wants to do with his people. We, want, we just want to be a team player in the kingdom of God because we're on the winning side. But it takes prayer for that to happen. And so let's close by just having a quick word of prayer here. Uh, Father, I just thank you for uh, the different gifts that you've raised up in leadership for the Board of Overseers, Lord. Uh, God, for the different perspectives that help broaden us. I thank you, Lord God, for the way you have, even in a supernatural way, brought about this vision for the church here. God, it's exciting. I feel like the foundation is getting in place, and I'm just wondering what kind of uh, building you're going to erect on this foundation. It has been a miracle that you have done so many great things in the, in the ministry of Woodland Hills Church in spite of us, praise God. <laughs> thank you, God, for working through us even when we're kind of unworkable. 
And maybe that's to some degree how it's always going to be. But Lord, I just thank you for each person who's here this morning and in the visitor's room or in the, in the overflow room, Lord. And I pray, God, that, that you would raise up here an army, God, of people who understand what life's about. It's about doing kingdom work. And I pray, God, you'd make it clear to each one of us what our niche is, what our role is. I pray, God, you'd cultivate in us the value, the anti-American value of living for self-sacrificial love to invest our life into each other. God, and I pray you'd raise up continually here prayers to surround this ministry. We just, Lord God, have a vision and an anticipation for what you want to do through Woodland Hills Church. And you, we promise you, will get every ounce of the credit because you deserve every ounce of the credit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.